Thanks for listening, Unplugged Army. I'm Louis Unga, General Manager at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're proud to present Doug Franz Unplugged. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Four minutes. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Everything you need to know in sports that affects Maricopa County, the state of Arizona, and the world, you get in four minutes. We start things off in South Philly. The Arizona Diamondbacks embarrassed themselves and us. First time they were shut out in a postseason game. First time in the history of the organization they ever lost a postseason game by 10 runs. They lost 10 to nothing. Merrill Kelly, not good. Five and two-thirds of an inning pitched, four earned runs. Manager, Tori Lavella. The game had no flow to it, but I thought Merrill did a pretty, pretty good job of getting, standing back out there and keeping us in the ball game. After five and two-thirds, manager Tori Lovello decided to take him out. Joe Mantiply came in, got destroyed. Ryan Nelson came in, made it worse. The bullpen that was second best in postseason play ended up with three and a third innings pitched, six earned runs. Wow. Opinionated statement. Walker, Longoria, Guriel all competitively quit in this game. And quitters have no place on the team. Wake up, gentlemen. Wake up. D-backs off today. Home against the Phillies. Game three, Thursday, 2 o'clock. Coyotes a loser in a back-and-forth game, one to nothing against the New York Islanders on the road on Long Island. Vemelka had 33 saves. The one he couldn't get was a Barzal uh, power play chance in the second, but 33 saves was fantastic. Andre Turney not happy with special teams. The puck should have done that. We talked about it. We need to be a little bit simpler. I think we pass on too many opportunities to have good shots. That's a problem. That's what sometimes Clayton Keller falls into the trap of. Got to get it fixed. Last game of the four-game road trip to start the season is coming up tomorrow as they're on the road at St. Louis. Is it actually time to start talking about Kyler Murray making his comeback? He's eligible to come off of IR and open up a three-week practice window. Asking Drew Petzing, the offensive coordinator, what does that look like getting Dobbs ready to play while you're getting Kyler ready to play? It's a unique task. I think it's something we knew at some point was going to be something we're going to deal with. Uh, Something we dealt with last year in Cleveland in a similar situation. So we have a plan in place collectively from him to the training staff to the coaching staff to make sure that he is getting as much work as humanly allowed within the rules. So when he does step back on the field, he's ready. Then yesterday, Jonathan Gannon on KMVP-FM had the conversation about Kyler's future and says we're going to take a look at him the next couple days and see if it's time for him to be able to get out there and practice. Once he practices, he has three weeks to either get on the field and play in a game or be put on injury reserve for the rest of the season. Cardinals on the road at Seattle Sunday, 105. NFL news. Christian McCaffrey might play on Monday Night Football with that rib injury. It's not season-ending as they thought it could have been. Philadelphia signed Julio Jones to a one-year contract to finish out the season for the Eagles. And a new rule, no in-person coaching interviews will be acceptable in the NFL until after the division playoff round to try to even the playing field for all parties involved. And finally... 
Oh, this isn't something you expect to see every day. You have a situation where a man pretends to be a lawyer in Kenya. There's one problem. He's never once had any law classes at all. Oh, by the way, he went 26-0 and 0 as a lawyer. <laughs> the, uh, the Nairobi branch of the Law Society of Kenya is dealing with the public outrage after a man who m- named himself Brian Mwenda. Well, he named himself, yes, named himself, after another Brian Mwenda who actually had his law degree. But the previous Brian Mwenda died. Not enough people in the Kenya courts realized Mwenda died, so a new Brian Mwenda showed up and said he's the lawyer. But that's not the thing that's crazy. The thing that's crazy is the 26 other lawyers who lost their case when they were up against the guy who's not a lawyer. Jackpot Unplugged Army, I feel like a true commander-in-chief to be able to give you such an unprecedented savings. Go to Unplugged at Whirlwind.com and check out the new membership club from Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Whirlwind Plus. Here's what you get. You sign up for a tee time anytime between now and five days from now, and you can save anywhere from a minimum of 30% up to 60% off plus 15% off at Civlik, the restaurant, and another 15% off in the pro shop. I'm telling you, you walk into the pro shop, get bowls, a shirt, and a hat, you walk over for happy hour with your wife, you might pay for your monthly membership right then and there. It's $34 a month, cancel anytime, or if you want to save even more, because that equals out to a little more than $400, you can get it for only $299 a year. Whirlwind Plus at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Go to UnpluggedAtWhirlwind.com and feel the wind. If you go to Bell's Nashville Kitchen for the food, you're going to be shocked what a great bar it is. And if you go to Bell's Nashville Kitchen because you want to experience a great country bar, you're going to be shocked at how great the food is. And if you want something different to do this weekend, on Sunday, head out to Bell's Nashville Kitchen, Main Street, Old Town Scottsdale, and they got the car show in which they actually... Shut down the street a little bit. Cars that are pre-1990, plus they've got pastries and they've got coffee. And you can walk in later for the honky-tonk brunch and have a great meal at Bell's National Kitchen. You found home. Down home. So maybe you never made it as high as junior high baseball. So let me explain to you what you learn in junior high baseball. The pitcher doesn't catch pop-ups. The catcher is the second worst at it. And therefore, the third baseman always calls off the other two. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Whatever it is that you decided to make Doug Franz unplugged a part of your day, my family greatly appreciates it. My name is Doug Franz, and you have found the only podcast and TV show in the world totally devoted to the coverage of the four major sports franchises of one great American city that drops on your phone and television every weekday morning. We also cover ASU, U of A, GCU, the Rattlers, the Rising, and the Mercs. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. I have to remember that a lot of you have a life. I do not. So therefore, last night, I watched an old NFL game from two weeks ago that I have not had a chance to see so I could evaluate players. 
I watched Coyotes, New York Islanders. I found some obscure TV station on my DirecTV that had the game. I don't understand where to find the Coyotes yet. Uh, so I found it somewhere and started watching it from about five minutes into the game. And then uh, I went back to the beginning. I was late from the start because of that because I wanted to watch the Coyotes. So then I started watching the Diamondbacks game. And uh, if you didn't see it yesterday, there's one word. There's embarrassing. Just it, it was embarrassing yesterday to be a Diamondbacks fan. That, that hurt. That hurt. And then to make it worse, and l- listen, this shouldn't matter. But to make it worse, I was all jacked up. I did something that I've never done. And I'm going to be paying for it for a while. But in my family, my wife and I, are in our finances, we always have allowance. So you're allowed to spend whatever you want on your own allowance. Well, I don't, I don't know how this works, but I have, I, I, I've put myself into debt for future allowance I that I have to start making payments out of. As I decided, put my money where my mouth is. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. It's only once every eight years, it seems like, the Diamondbacks make the playoffs, and they haven't been to the LCS since 2007, which is the first year we moved here. So I plunked down the money, and I got us four tickets. I'm thrilled with the location. Uh, We are sitting in the front row for game four of the upper deck, and we're a little bit kind of like behind the on-deck circle. Uh, for the Diamondbacks, so I'm I'm thrilled with uh, with that purchase. If, if if you care to know, I forget how much the ticket prices were, but they were a little less than 160 dollars. Uh, I thought it was going to cost a lot more. Honestly, it's not money that we have right now. <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> uh, it might uh, it could actually affect the vacation budget. Maybe we're not going on a vacation next summer. I don't know, but I felt like you know what. I want I want my kids to experience that, and uh, let's let's go for it. So I went into last night's game on such a high, just so excited to to hopefully steal a win for game two, and even if we didn't, you know, play well enough that you're going to feel good going into games three and four, that we have a chance. Because all you have to do, hey, win your home games, and then we'll worry about Philadelphia when we get there. You know, win your home games. If the Diamondbacks win their home games, they're up three games to two, and back in Philly for game six. You know what I mean? So they did their job. They won their two games. Diamondbacks do your job. And then that game happened. Just... It's not only it was not only embarrassing to be a D-backs fan yesterday, and I'm not even talking about ten to nothing. I'm talking about players quitting. Uh, it was not only embarrassing to be a D-backs fan, but I just feel like a schmuck for buying tickets right now. I just what did I just spend money on? I mean, I think $160 is totally fair in today's economy, today's inflation, for ticket prices, front row, uh, upper deck. I think that's fair. But when I look at the total, and the total's around 640, I'm like, uh, that's that hurts. That hurts a little bit. But, you know, I'm a fan. It's worth it. I want to support the team. I want to be a part of a crowd that tries to rival what the Philadelphia fans were able to show the world who they are. I want to, I've always wanted to bring an East Coast spirit to the Diamondbacks, so I want in, put my money where my mouth is, let's go, get fired up, blah, blah, blah. And then you see that, and you just think, what a schmuck am I? What, what? 
am I really asking too much for players to give all they have for nine innings? Obviously, I was. And, and now I just feel stupid. Um, hopefully, they win game three, and I'm feeling a lot better. And But I... It's rough. We got a lot to talk about today. We got a lot to talk about today. I was I was just thoroughly embarrassed. Uh, I, I am so excited for yesterday and today, non-baseball wise, really upset baseball wise, but life wise, I'm in a great mood. This is how cool Mikey is at Bell's Nashville Kitchen. Yesterday, Mikey gave me a bunch of gift cards for our week of winners. If you haven't been paying attention, I just want to be, you know, honest and in your face with this. Our station is growing. WTSMTV.com is getting bigger all the time. We're also moving into new studios soon. So because of that, just there it is. We want more money. You know, we want to be able to afford new people. We need new producers. We need to hire people. So therefore, we've changed our pricing structure. So if you're used to watching me for free on demand, maybe you're a big uh, Izzy on sports fan from 10 to noon. Maybe you just love yourself for some Dale Hellestray or something. Steve McCollum. Maybe you have a Steve McCollum bed sheets or something. And, and you, you, want, you, you want more and you watch on demand. That used to be free. On demand is now going to cost a tiny bit of money per month. Live is going to cost that much more. And then becoming a premium member gets you involved in different contests and opportunities to be a winner. If you email me, Doug at DougFranzUnplugged.com, at some point this week, I'm going to email you a special code that blocks the rate increase from hitting you for one year. And it's our way of saying thanks for being in the Unplugged Army as long as you were. Thanks for making this move with me to the beginning. So I want to grandfather you in to avoid that price increase but there's no reason for us to apologize for the price increase because our content's getting better and our work's getting better and we need to, we need more people so that's why we're doing it but in order to entice you to say why is this a good idea we're having a week of winners so bells gave me a bunch of gift cards for the week of winners and then something even cooler uh we met at a hundred mile brew uh, a brewing it's a brewery that is right it's it's like eight inches south of the 202 on scottsdale road in rural it's in that area and but it's a, it's kind of tucked in the back a little bit so you've got to earn it to get there i admit but that's why i want to help and mikey who does not own that bar said let's go close their sale at that bar like really so mikey believes so much in the unplugged army he's willing to share what we've helped build at bell's national kitchen with a hundred mile brew and i thought that's awesome I want to talk to you about possibly doing a big cornhole tournament out there. I'm, ex- I'm really serious about this. I think cornhole is hilarious. I love cornhole. I got a beer in my hand, and, and, I've, and I'm throwing it back. I love that. Now, I'm, I want to play by a new rule. The, the rule is you've got to have a beer or a drink, and it can be water. I'm not going to push it on anybody. But in your, in your left hand or in your opposite hand while you play, I'm thinking of making that rule. Because, hey, it's cornhole. Let's go. Izzy, Even, and I, Izzy and I actually had a debate on his show yeah. early on when he first started his show about, is it called cornhole or beanbags? He is adamant that it's called beanbags. He won't call it cornhole. Well, I mean, Izzy's young, and I remember being 
you know, stubborn at one point in my life with the facts in my face proving me wrong, and I would still stand on things myself. So I, you know, I totally, uh, I totally get that. There was a time in my life I, I kind of thought Pete Rose might belong in the Hall of Fame. I, I wasn't sure. Now I know there's no way he should ever get in. You know, you just grow up sometimes and you learn. So Izzy will get there. There's no doubt about it. Uh, it is cornhole. Um, you don't, you don't like on ESPN. They don't say the American bag hole uh, or bags conversation or whatever. I mean, no, it's it's cornhole. It's always been cornhole. Now, I, I don't know, you know, what it's like on the mean streets of northern Indiana for him because he did not grow up in the corn country for the rest of the uh, of the state, and maybe that's what it is. Because if you're from Indiana, there's like little pockets of real life cities, and then it's just all farms. So maybe Izzy's just anti the farms, and he doesn't want cornhole being named. Um, somehow, I believe from ten to noon today, Izzy will get the final word on this. Though <laughs> somehow, I believe this uh, this may or may not come up uh, later on today. No, it is it is of course cornhole, and I want to have a big tournament, but I want to do two things that are different. I want sharks and minnows. Like, like there's real life professionals that play out there every Tuesday night at Hundred Mile Brew. I want to do it where the shark instead of getting teamed up with another shark gets teamed up just pull a name out of a hat gets teamed up with a scrub you know pros and joes kind of thing and then hey let's see if but you're always up against the other pro if you don't really know how cornhole works the guy on the same side of the board as you is your opponent and it's cancellation scoring so if i get a bag in the hole then i have three points but if you put a bag in the hole on that same term, I, turn, I have zero points now. You've canceled my three points. So it's cancellation scoring. So therefore, I want the opponent, your opponent, to be of equal skill level. So if both of you are real studs, you're going to be teamed up with people like me on the other board. And I think that would be hilarious. And you got to play with a drink in your hand. That'll like really narrow the competition down. So I think that would be fun. So I want to do that. So if that kind of interests you, I like to do a whole. I need 128 people. I like to do a bracket like the NCAA tournament, a 64 team tournament. So if if you think yeah I can do that, then uh, I'll tell you more about it later. Um, okay, the last story you have to hear. This is really strange. I I can't tell whether I am just dripping with respect for this. Or if I just think it's some kind of suck-up weird move. Or option three. Option three, keep this in mind as I'm telling you the story. Option three could be I'm being tested. I'm the one being interviewed. And I don't know how I feel about that. All right, here's the story. Told you I went to 100 Mile Brew yesterday. It's in Tempe. Intern McKenna is a student at, uh, at ASU. So I call her after my meeting to say how well it went and to ask you know if she i was just going to be nice and say hey do you need a a ride to your next class do you need a ride home do you want me to take you to the grocery is there anything i can do for you and i call her and uh, she texts me and says in class sorry anything wrong <laughs> like that and i said no no big deal when's your class end and she said 115 well i had the um that app that lets me know where she's at so I saw what building she was in, so I just drove over to the building. Well, she obviously has the same app. She can see where I'm at. And she texts me, what are you doing? <laughs> and, and I said, well, I, I just thought I'd offer you a ride to the next place. And she goes, all right, thanks. So I pick her up, 
I started talking to her about 100 Mile Brew and everything. And then she asked me about my trip to Buffalo because she hadn't heard any of the stories, me at the wrong funeral, uh, telling Hoopy that I'm here for the cookies, things like that. So I said, well, do you have a second? And she goes, no, I haven't eaten lunch yet. I said, oh, okay. So since I already went to 100 Mile Brew, I didn't go to 100 Mile Brew because I just had been there for lunch. So we went to Buffalo Wild Wings because it's near a dorm. And, and I don't like to go to non-sponsors, but it was right there. And we were going to sit and talk for a while, and I wanted beer. Sorry, Angel. Burrito Express. I realized, I was like, what? You could have went to, yeah, I could have went to Burrito Express, but you need beer. And I, I for me, I wanted, I wanted a beer because I'd already eaten lunch. If I hadn't eaten lunch, we would have gone to Burrito Express. Since I hadn't, since I've already eaten lunch, then I, I got beer. So we went to uh, Buffalo Wild Wings, and uh, we started talking. And I told her about life and Buffalo, blah. She tells me about some things. And then she says, hey, um, can, we, can we meet again for lunch next week? Somebody, I know somebody that wants to meet you. I said, oh, okay. Well, that's, that's kind of cool. Uh, how, did they, how did they figure out what I do? Now, I didn't mean that in an egotistical way, but let's face it. Whenever somebody says to me, I know someone that wants to meet you, it's always a Doug and Wolf reference. Always an old school show reference. So I, okay, fine. Uh, I'm, you know, I can do this day. I can do this day. Um, was he a, a big listener to the show? No. Oh, does he listen to the podcast? No. Oh, did he hear about your internship and and wants to kind of get to no? Does he even like sports? Mm, no, not really. McKenna, do you have a boyfriend? <laughs> and she goes, uh, no, not really. I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now, just so you know, this is a young girl who never had a boyfriend in her life. Number two, I found out about her prom date, who she was going to prom with, after my wife found out, and my wife found out during pictures. When a guy shows up while uh, Vienna, or no, not Vienna, whatever my kid's name is, McKenna and all of her friends are getting pictures taken, this guy shows up in a tux and is now joining them for the pictures. And my wife says, oh, who's that? And McKenna says, oh, my date. <laughs> That's totally intern McKenna. It's like she's not going to lie to you. If you ask her a question, she'll tell you. But she sees no reason why she needs to bring you into her personal life at all. So, so now I've learned to just say, oh, it's not really. Well, what do you mean? And she tells me that this guy asked for her number. They started talking. And then one time after mass, the boy's parents just happened to be at mass too and said, well, you know, let's go get a cheeseburger. So she went for a a cheeseburger with this boy's parents. And so they're not really dating, but they are dating. Okay, fine, whatever. He then says to her, I'd like, I'd like to, I'd like to meet your dad. Let, can we can we go to lunch or can we do something where I can meet your dad? Has that ever happened to you? Any of you that have a daughter, or even if you have a son, has there ever been a moment your kid has asked you to go to lunch with their potential future dating option because the potential future dating option wants to meet you? Well, now... I'm assuming they're not running off to Vegas and he's asking for her hand in marriage. Okay, so if that's not the case, is he really asking me, can I have permission for date three? They've already been on a couple dates. I don't think so. 
So the only other option is he's testing me. He wants, like, are you from a stable household? What do you, I, I don't know. And then I haven't decided which of my nine personalities am I going to bring out? Am I going to just whoop? Does he want the full Monty of this is Mr. Energy intensity? Here we go. And then I start asking him very uncomfortable questions. You know, I, I don't know. Or do I just be subdued? Uh, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. And try to be boring? I, I don't know. I haven't decided what's going on here. This is a little weird. I'll tell you this. I've never wanted to meet any of my girlfriend's parents. Dad, mother, <laughs> grandfather, but grandmother, anything. You've always been secretly shy, you know? Yeah. So I can totally understand that. I see you, Jeff Weir Production, as a guy that would be an absolute, not, not would be. You're still a nervous wreck when you're with your girlfriend's parents, are you? Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't like meeting the parents. I, I laugh because I get nervous, too, around the mother-in-law, but it's not because, oh, no, what does my wife's uh, mother think of me? It's, oh, no, what kind of crap is she going to get us into this time? You know, that's, a, <laughs> that's my nervousness of it. So I just had to tell you that story of how weird is this? And I wanted to laugh and have a good time because I'm so frustrated. So that'll be it for laughing today, I think. Uh, sound credits today, azcardinals.com. Coyotes PR department, Suns PR department, and I've now just decided to start saying the MLB PR department because they their PR department gives us links. We use the links, and that's how we have what we call sound in the business. All right, let's roll. Doug's big one. Doug's big one today is three players on the Arizona Diamondbacks quit. And gentlemen, if we're bothering you, if this takes too much time out of your day, then just leave. You embarrassed us as fans yesterday. And you will have to live with this moment the rest of your lives. Hopefully you do something about it in games three and four. You've heard me say for years, I don't like to get personal. And I'm not going to now. But I am going to call out the three gentlemen that quit. And then ask, is that indicative of who you are? Or is that a one-time thing? And I, I pray that all three of you stand up and apologize to your teammates and do something about it in game three. If you didn't see it yesterday, Diamondbacks were 10 to nothing losers. Merrill Kelly, not very good. He gave up uh, two home runs. The first home run to Schwarber doesn't drive me crazy because I went off on a Schwarber home run yesterday. Today, I don't go off on the first home run. He just hit a good pitch. Second home run, another fastball drives me crazy, and uh, and then he goes yard. Okay, get over it. Merrill Kelly, not good. Bullpen, a disaster. Torrey Lovello, a lot of people are ripping him today. I'm not really ripping him. I'll get into that in a second. I'm really... This is really how I feel. Doug's big one today is let's take a look at Christian Walker, Evan Longoria, and Lourdes Gurriel. Three players that competitively quit yesterday. I don't know if they're quitters in life, but I can only judge you as a human being by the fact that we get to watch you. Your resume is your actions every time you're on the field. Admittedly, That's not necessarily fair. The rest of us in life would not like our lives entirely on display 
for everybody to judge our every action. And at every moment in our lives, one of us has exceeded greatly, and you deserve a lot of praise. And the exact same person that succeeded greatly has had a moment of complete embarrassment where they basically quit on themselves. It's happened to all of us. Sixth inning, Christian Walker comes to the plate. And there's a thing that quitters do. It's called a Yasmani Tomas. Okay? You walk up to the plate and you're so frustrated, you're so angry, and you lack so much confidence. And truth be told, in a moment of great mental weakness, only people that are either A, mentally weak, or B, are in a moment of mental weakness, which are two different things, do what Christian Walker did. As he walked to the plate, he made the decision, I'm going to swing at the first pitch and I don't care where it is. I'm going to swing at the first pitch. If you watch that embarrassing at bat, the ball, if Christian Walker doesn't move, would have hit him in the chest. And he basically swings some kind of childhood axe at the ball. Because as he starts to swing, suddenly he realizes the ball's about to hit him. So now he's got to come over the top and almost try to slam the ball into the ground like he's driving some kind of post into the ground with a sledgehammer. He looked ridiculous. And to a lot of other people who don't quite know the game, they know, oh, that, that looked silly. The truth is, you had to quit mentally. Instead of going up there with any confidence, instead of digging in, and instead of saying, you're going to pitch to me, and I'm going to work this count, and I'm going to help set up my teammates by either getting you out of the game by taking pitches and setting myself up to drive a pitch, I'm going to go up there in an infantile attempt to just hope I get lucky, okay? Rebellions are built on hope, not championships. Christian, that was disgusting. Wake up. I mean, that that is a real wake-up moment that you quit to the point where it's just fine. I'm just going to go up there and swing at anything. That's quitting. That's a moment of mental weakness. That is a moment where I've stopped competing and I just hope something good happens because I don't want to compete anymore. And you can lie to yourself all you want, Christian, and act like that's not what was going through your head. But that's exactly what has to go through your head maybe even if it's subconscious, in order to make that decision. You didn't want to compete anymore. Then, top half of the seventh inning. It is just amazing what happened. Bryson Stott is at the plate. Hits a pop-up straight up along the third baseline. If you don't know the way things work, there's a there's rules, not not rules of the game, meaning you break them and something bad happens, according to the rule book, but rules of the game for how it's played. That pop up priority is the phrase. I don't mind going through it. Pitchers are the worst, the lowest ranked in pop up priority. The reasons are, A, they're running off the mound, and it's really easy for them to kind of trip, fall, do something just wrong trying to come off the mound and not be able to see the ball well. Number two, a lot of times, and this is really simple, from high school on, when you take infield practice, 
pitchers are in the bullpen. They're warming up. They're going through their uh, – the, the pitchers are just off into their own little world. They're not a part of practice. So since they don't practice pop-up priority to the same level that the fielders do, pitchers are the least likely to catch a pop-up. Number two is the catcher. And the reason why the catcher is the least likely to catch one is because in order to catch 90, 95, 100-mile fastballs, they're one of two players on the field that's allowed to use a mitt. You might not realize seven people on the field use a glove. Two people are allowed to use a mitt. The difference is it's simply not a glove. It's a first baseman's mitt that has a deeper pocket because of the hard throws from the infielders that you don't want the ball escaping, so you have a deeper pocket. And it's different for a catcher's mitt because it is so full of stuffing, basically, of padding, so you're not breaking your fingers trying to catch the baseball of 100-mile heaters. But it's got a very shallow pocket to also get the ball out quickly when you're trying to throw out a runner stealing. Because of that, the ball can more easily bounce out of a catcher's mitt. So you want the catcher being the second least likely player to catch a pop-up because the ball can bounce out. Then it goes third baseman, first baseman, second baseman, shortstop. Okay? That's the pop-up priority. The reason why it's that order is the shortstop is normally the one playing the deepest, so he has the best angle coming in on a pop-up. It's easier to catch a pop-up as you come in versus trying to run backwards and catch it. So if somebody's behind you, they have priority. Now you know that. So who are the first three at the bottom of the list? Pitcher, catcher, third baseman. Third baseman ranks higher than the other two. Pop-up goes up. Ryan Nelson does make a mistake. He runs right over to the area. When a pitcher runs into the area, that causes confusion. The pitcher's never there during infield practice, and you're taught not to do what Ryan Nelson did. Dumb move, but I'll get over it. Then the catcher. Gabby Moreno did something terrible on this. You fight. If you hate losing, what you do is you fight to catch the pop-up until you get called off. That's the one thing about this play that's very simple. If you're mentally checked out, you wait for other people to catch it. If you're a competitive person that hates to lose, then you fight Right? It's not fighting your own teammate. It's fighting the pop-up, fighting the other team. You hustle. You do whatever it takes to get yourself in position to catch the ball. Then, if you hear somebody's voice that has pop-up priority over you, say, I got it, then you back away. So bad move, Ryan Nelson. Bad move, Gabby Moreno. But the quitter is Evan Longoria. You're a veteran. You mentally checked out on that play altogether. There's, I mean, there's never a doubt what your job was this, as the second that ball went up and started coming down the third baseline. There was never a moment on that play where your actions were ever acceptable. The first thing you do, if you're a competitor, if you're checked in mentally to the game, if you actually care about the outcome, is you come down that line and you say, I got it. I got it. I got it. Yola Tango. You get yourself ready to catch that ball. 
and you don't budge until the shortstop yells, I got it. Go get the ball. Evan Longoria walked down the line and then looked shocked when the pitcher who's never supposed to catch it didn't get in position to catch it and the catcher who should be called off by you anyway didn't get in position to catch it. The other two guys messed up. But only Evan Longoria totally stopped competing. And that's what's just eye-rakingly embarrassing. That you care that little about winning. That you're so mentally weak that it's easy for you to check out. Oh, we don't have a chance to win. We're down 6 nothing, 7 nothing. Thanks, Evan. Glad you're here, vet. Glad you're here. The last one didn't hurt us as bad, but it still shows you how mentally weak and uncompetitive we were. At the end of that inning, near the end of that inning, there was a sack fly. Nick Castellanos hit a sack fly to left field. The ball was caught at left center field by Lourdes Gurriel. Luckily, the runner on first, Brandon Marsh, had checked out mentally too. Brandon Marsh went halfway like he should, Once thing the ball is going to be caught, you're supposed to sprint to first, check and see if there's a bad throw, see if you can tag up and go to second. He didn't do any of that. He saw it was going to be caught, turned, and barely jogged back to first. Lourdes Gurriel caught the ball shy of the warning track and then just kept running to the wall and then started to come back towards the regular field of play and was going to jog into the dugout after he caught the second out of the inning. New rule this year in Major League Baseball. We're going to play for three outs. Three outs every inning. Gurriel forgot how many outs there were. Now, he wasn't going to throw the runner out at third anyway, so that part didn't matter. And Brandon Marsh had mentally checked out and didn't take advantage of Gurriel's brain fart. So it didn't hurt anything. Next batter made an out. It wouldn't have even mattered if he remembered. But by watching that, you clearly see these guys checked out of that game. What's beautiful about baseball is baseball doesn't end until you suck 27 times. 27 outs is what it takes to win a Major League Baseball game. So no matter where you are in the game, at any moment, you can decide, I'm going to win this game. I'm going to play harder than the other team. I'm going to focus harder on the other team. I'm going to do the things to win the game right now. And once the Diamondbacks trailed a little bit, they quit. At least three players did. And I've lowered the bar so much now in this series of just don't embarrass the city anymore, guys. Just don't embarrass the city. All right? Just fight. Like somebody be a leader, and I don't know who it is, because Cattell Marte, terrible leadership skills through most of this season, doing a decent job in the postseason getting hits. Christian Walker, who I thought was a leader, had a gutless at-bat and quit on his team. And Evan Longoria, who was brought in to be a leader, quit on his team, and, we, and, we, and we're not paying him enough money to hustle down third base, focus, and catch a, a, um, a pop-up. It's, it was excruciating to watch yesterday, and yes, I watched every pitch. All right, that's my opinions. Now let's get into the game of... Uh, 
it's it's not losing to the Phillies does not upset me. I want to win, of course. I love my team. Losing does not upset me, though. They're a better team. We knew that going in. We were hoping Kelly or Gallon would pitch well enough that maybe we steal a game. Okay, I never doubted the Phillies were a better team, but I didn't know who was going to win the series because I started to believe in the Diamondbacks bullpen. I've always believed in Kelly and Gallon, and I thought now that the offense is clicking, something good was going to happen. So I didn't know who was going to win, but I, I didn't think this of just people quitting. And that, that's just embarrassing the city. And guys, don't do that. All right? We, I, I realize we're not the greatest fan base. I accept the fact that you could be frustrated that you've played games this year in front of 12,000 people at Chase Field. That is embarrassing. I, I, I get that. You could even argue the city has embarrassed you guys a couple times this year with how low the crowd is. But we're not asking too much to ask you to just hustle, to just focus for nine innings. The rest of us have to stay focused for eight hours a day. We ask you to focus for three. Three. And that was too much yesterday. Uh, here's Tori Lovello. Just a quick rundown on what he thought of Merrill Kelly's outing, giving up three earned runs in only five and two-thirds. Or four earned runs, sorry, in only five and two-thirds. thought he threw the ball okay. You know, he's... Uh, you know, he gave up um, three home runs up to the point where I could take him out of the game. It was right around that 90 pitch mark. Um, and, you know, he was doing all that he could to keep us in the game. It was just, um, it was, we couldn't get anything going offensively. I felt like we were putting a lot of pressure on him to keep us, keep it where it was, to give us a chance. And, you know, we never really, the game had no flow to it, but I thought Merrill did a pretty, pretty good job of get, standing back out there and keeping us in the ball game. This was, this was kind of, I don't understand what happened here. I appreciate the asking of the question, but it was embarrassing the way the question was asked. Greg Moore is a writer for the Arizona Republic. Very nice man, but a opinionated statement. I don't think he's a very good writer. Um, I try not to be a jerk. I don't know when I should stop saying that because it's being a jerk if I keep piling on. But at the same time, if you're new to Doug Franz Unplugged, don't, shouldn't I give you my frame of reference? Because you might disagree. You might think he's a wonderful writer. And, and I want you to know I'm just giving my opinion. But I, I'm, I'm hoping as well that it's not personal. And in a sense, there's no way that can't be personal. I get that. If Greg Moore wrote in his column, I like Doug Franz. He's a very nice man. But gosh, Unplugged is one of the worst podcasts I've ever heard. How am I not going to take that personal? But I understand he's not trying to be personal. I feel the same way. So I, I, say, I tiptoe as I say it because it is, you know, well, you get it. So he asked this question. He says, Tori, your decision to pull Merrill Kelly is going to be questioned for a long time. Uh, it's going to be second-guessed. A lot of people disagree with it. He was only at uh, you know around 75, 77 pitches, uh, and, and you pull him. Well, the reason why that frustrates me is, he was, is Kelly was at 89 pitches. Now, I don't like that Major League Baseball has joined in the wussification of America and we have this magic number of after 100 pitches, a pitcher's arm is going to fall off and they're going to die. Okay, I, I wholeheartedly disagree with that. When I'm talking about major leaguers, different conversation, we're talking about high school kids. Totally different conversation. But 
if a pitcher goes out there and throws 10 pitches an inning and it's an extra innings and it goes to the 10th inning and he throws another 10-pitch inning and he's getting in and out of the dugout fast, don't tell me, oh, my gosh, those 100 pitches are terrible. This is awful. We've got to get him out of the game. This is blasphemy letting him pitch the 11th inning. Something like that. No, it's not. You're a fool. Okay? You're a fool for thinking that. Now, if we're talking about a guy who threw 40 pitches in the first inning and now he's getting close to throwing another 40 in the second inning, let's get him out. That's incredibly taxing to have no rest and continually to fire, to fire, to fire, pitch after pitch after pitch in a high leverage situation. Okay? So... Being at 89 pitches is dramatically different in today's modern game of the Wussification of America than being at 77 pitches. So by asking the question, saying that he's only at 77, 79 pitches, you're stating such incorrect facts that it makes you wonder why are you asking the question? Like, are you really paying attention to the game? And if you're not paying attention to the game, you shouldn't be critical of a manager's decision. But I do appreciate he asked the question that everybody's wondering. Tori Lovello, why did you take Merrill Kelly out? I felt like, um, you know, three to nothing. I thought that Joe Mantiply has been throwing the ball real good. It's a great matchup. All the information that I have and everything that's that's showing me statistically that Joe's going to get under a barrel and we're going to get back in the dugout crystal ball right i wish there was um it's i'll, I'll be second guessing myself too right it's what it's what we do um you just don't know that side of the, the puzzle he you know i think it was more cl- it was closer to 90 pitches um it's all right closer to 90 pitches and i just felt like i was selling out to the stock mantle matchup that we targeted as a very very positive one um as is coming out on our side he just hit it in the right spot it's a base hit i'm not i'm not complaining about the base hit it's a clean base hit he did his job and then handed it off to the next guy and that's that's where that momentum got pushed over the edge you know it was it was four runs and it was seven nothing two batters later but look we could be playing on the moon. Um, everybody's talking about coming into this environment. Um, and I don't care. Like, we got to play better baseball. Everybody's got to be better. You start with the manager and then trickle all the way down through the entire entire team. Um, we got we to play Diamondback baseball. What we watched out there was, was not anything that we have done for a long period of time. So um, we got to regroup. We got to regroup the troops. We got to find a way to get it done. The the discussion w- was had on the broadcast, so give them credit for looking at it immediately. The opinion of the broadcasters on that one, mostly Frank Cora and Darling, were t- a bottom of the fifth inning, Merrill Kelly strikes out the side. Okay, Then in the sixth, he gives up a home run to Schwarber on, a bat, on, on another fastball, which you don't do. Then walked, uh, uh, not Sosa, Sosa hadn't come in yet, uh, walked Trey Turner. So a bad start to the sixth, but then he goes boom, boom, strike out, pop up. So therefore, do you really need to take him out? I am one that, uh, by the way, I think I said earlier it was uh, uh, Bryson Stott on the pop. Oh, yeah, it was. That was, a, that was the seventh inning. So, sorry, I looked at my notes and I got confused because the sixth and seventh inning, the Phillies batted nine guys in both innings. So, my notes are a little too close together. <laughs> but when you look at that decision to bring in Mantiply, lefty on left, you had him up, you had him ready. 
And the reason why Torrey's getting ripped for it is because there's back-to-back right-handed hitters right after it. So if it doesn't work to bring in Mantiply, the new rule that you have to face three hitters, now he's forced to face back-to-back guys that will probably do some damage. And both guys did exactly that. A single and a sack fly. An RBI single and a sack fly. You know what? I, I understand the argument to leave in Merrill Kelly. I want to be fair. I do see it. He did strike out the side, and even though the inning started bad, he did seem to recover and get back-to-back outs. I get it. But I'm actually going to side with Torrey. You know, and this is where it's easy for the talk show host to wake up in the morning and when something didn't work, act like he knew all along it wasn't going to work, blast the manager. The reason why I'm going to stick with Tory on this one is it's about getting an out right now. You've got to get the next guy out. You've got to think, do I have a left-handed pitcher who's pitching well that I believe can get Stott out in this at-bat right now, stop the damage? I think that answer is yes. You have Joe Mantiply. I think it was the right move. I'm the, I, I think Tori Lavello and I are on our own out there, but I think that was the right move that didn't work. Now, I'm not saying Joe Mantiply didn't do his best, and I'm not saying there aren't factors that Tori should look at in the fact that Joe Mantiply hasn't pitched in about a week, and you're now bringing him in into a high-leverage situation. But – Mantiply is a professional athlete, a former all-star whose job it is. He is in that bullpen to get the next left-handed hitter out. That's his job. And I think Torrey's job is to decide, if I've got two outs, what's a better way to end this inning? Merrill Kelly against Stott? Mantiply against Stott. He full well knew if it doesn't work, he's going to be stuck with Mantiply against the next two righties. But how would America have – this is where I, I get upset at people that act like they know everything, is if Stott hits a home run off of Merrill Kelly, everyone's going to go nuts and say, you had man to play up, you had left on left, you had Merrill Kelly's already given up a bunch of home runs, why did you take him out of the game? And they go nuts on Tori Lovello. And I admit, I would have gone nuts in that situation for those exact reasons. And so it's highly hypocritical to say it would have been the wrong decision to leave in Merrill Kelly if Stott goes yard or gets a hit and then turn around and say it's the wrong decision to bring in Mantiply who hasn't pitched in a month. You should have kept in with Merrill Kelly, the guy that's already given up at the time three earned runs and five and two-thirds of an inning. And two of the the runs are scored on solo homers. See what I mean? I... Let me be one of the few, and a lot of people disagree with me on this. I'm going to stand with Tori Lovello right there. There's other decisions he's made in this postseason I haven't liked. But this one, I'm not saying it was an easy decision, and I'm not saying everybody else that's ripping it are just dead wrong and know nothing about the game. There are legitimate reasons to make the decision, uh, to to be against uh, the decision to pull Merrill Kelly right there. But I – I think it was the right one, and I think Joe Mantiply screwed up. I think he gave it all his all. I'm not blasting him personally. He didn't quit. It's not like he dropped a pop-up when it's his priority to catch it. It's not like he went up to the plate and said, you know what, I'm going to swing at the first pitch, and I don't care where it's at. You know, it wasn't like that. He didn't forget how many outs there were. Okay? 
He was focused. He just failed. And baseball is a game of failure. So that one, that one I'm with him. All right. He kept repeating. I don't know why I keep saying all right. That's one of those codes where those crutches where I fail, where it's like I get so frustrated. I need to reset. (laughs) I love my team. (laughs) I love my team. It's not going to stop me from saying what I believe needs to be said, but I love my team. Uh, The next one from Tori is, I love this follow-up question. He kept saying over and over, we've got to play Diamondbacks baseball. We've got to play Diamondbacks baseball. It's really interesting. He held it together, but he's almost as frustrated as I am. Listen to him when he's asked the simple question, what is Diamondbacks baseball? Yeah, Diamondback baseball is grinding out at bats, having mature at bats, driving up pitch counts, catching pop-ups, picking up the baseball. Um, you know, the, the the pitching and defense goes hand in hand and we we find a way to score five runs or more and win a baseball game by just being a really smart, stubborn baseball team in all areas. Yeah. I mean, I just kind of feel like, yeah. Exactly. When he says being a stubborn team and driving up pitch counts, Aaron Nola averaged about 13 and a half. I, I got to do the math in my head, but about 13 and a half, 14 pitches an inning. Okay. 15 and above, 15 to 18 is where it's getting a, a little bit extra. And over 18 pitches an inning is where, okay, we, we're going to have a problem here pretty soon. He, he didn't have to worry about that. So that's players not being focused at all and trying to go up there as heroes instead of working the count, figuring out the strike zone, driving a ball the other way. And that happens when you have a bunch of people that are in panic mode. The Diamondbacks panicked yesterday. You can tell by their at-bats. And then for him to throw in that pop-up, you could see he's fired up. So, Tori, explain to us, how does that happen? How do you get through a 162-game season and then previously play six playoff games to get to this point, and your players don't understand pop-up priority. I don't think we've done that all year. I don't think we've had a situation like that all year. So I think our, our competitive focus, and those are the things that I've been talking about this past month, um, was lacking. we got, we got to catch up, pop-up. That's baseball one-on-one, and that is absolutely one, unacceptable, more than unacceptable to me. What I like about that quote is, and I've always been critical of Tory for this, and I, I like Tory the person, but I don't think he's hard enough on the players. I think he takes a hands-off attitude, hey, we'll figure it out, we'll be okay, and he's too positive at times where you don't need to be positive. And on that quote, there was actually a hesitation, almost like, am I going to be strong here? Am I going to be tough here? Am I going to say what needs to be said? And at first he says, you know, that's, you know, we haven't done that all year. It's all, and it was almost like, oh, what was us? And then suddenly it clicked where he actually, he started to say, you know, that's a case where I've been talking about the competitive focus. And he was like, you could see the wheels turning. Am I really going to go here? Am I really going to go here? Yes, I need to be strong. And then he says, you know, that's just unacceptable. And, and, and says, that's what I, that's a lack of competitive focus. That's a strong phrase. It's it's a it's a way to sugarcoat saying point blank we quit. That's not saying we quit because that's a magic word, and all of a sudden now you're attacking Longoria personally. Okay, whenever you say somebody quit, people take that as a personal attack. 
Evan Longoria, I don't care if you take it a personal attack. I'm looking right at you, Evan. I'm telling you, I'm not attacking your character, and you quit. And there's no other way you could deny it. You quit in that moment. When that pitch was thrown, you weren't competing. You weren't in a mode where you immediately do something. You were in a mode that said, when is this game over? Or you started feeling sorry for yourself because you were down in one and a half baseball games. The mental weakness it takes to feel overwhelmed because you've lost one and a half baseball games at that time. Really think about that. If you have a bad day and a half at work and you're just ready to quit and walk off the job, you got a problem too. Okay? <laughs> and we, and that's why I've always said the Unplugged Army, we got to work together. But that's, that's what he did. He was ready to go home. Longoria, when you wear that Diamondbacks jersey, you're representing us. We don't want you to come home if that's going to be your attitude. Go back to the Giants. Go back to the Rays. If you want to stay here, you fight. And you lost the fight. All right, coming up next. I got sons to talk about. I want to talk sons because I want to be uplifting. You know what? We still need to talk Cardinals. Let's talk Cardinals next. But we actually have something that might be considered good news that I'm really interested in. I'll explain it next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. It's hot. We've had a pretty hot summer here in Arizona. Who can you trust with your air conditioning? There's only one place my family has ever trusted in Arizona, and that's Parker and Sons Heating, Cooling, Plumbing, and Electrical. Call 602 to repair. That's 602, the number two, then R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker and Sons. And the reason why I suggest them to you as passionately as I possibly can is I know they've showed up on time to my home every time. And they've gotten it right the first time every time. And they've treated me fairly every time. What else can you say? Plus, they don't charge anything for nights, weekends, emergencies, That means something because when your air conditioner goes out in the summer in Arizona, that's an emergency. You need repairs fast and you can trust Parker and Sons. How do I know? Because my family does. 6022 repair. That's 602, the number two, then R E P A I R for Parker and Sons. Rosati Sports Pub in Chandler. It's on Ray and McQueen. Sounds like a sports bar. What's the difference? You walk in and they actually have games on TV with the sound on. How many times do you walk into a supposed sports bar and they've got loud music on or somebody playing live or some kind of trivia game going on and you're there to watch the game? If you're like me, a simple guy, give me my pizza, give me my wings, give me my cold beer and make sure I can hear the Suns and D-backs, then you want Rosati Sports Pub at Chandler. All members of the Unplugged Army, welcome. Rosati Sports Pub, give me the game. In the early days of Doug Franz Unplugged, before we were presented by Whirlwind Golf Club Wild Horse Pass, I would basically tell you about the growth of the podcast and and huge and, and, and really important meetings I was having. And today I've got 
one of probably the second biggest meeting I've ever had. So I'm really excited. Unplugged Army, thank you so much for helping this thing grow in uh, in the way that you have. And uh, the person that I'm meeting with just texted me and said, hey, are we still on today? If, if so, I'll text you a location. Catches the guy wants to meet for coffee, and I hate coffee. I hate coffee. And we're not eat, meeting at a place that has beer, so I'll be having like a lemonade or something like that. A little weird, a little weird for me. Out of my element. But I'm still, you know, dressed in my, you know, non-sales clothes. My first, whenever I meet with somebody, I tell them straight out, I am not a salesperson. Okay, I'm not showing up in a tie for our sales meeting because I'm a grunt. I'm a blue-collar dude, and that's how it is. Used to pour liquid metal to steel foundry. There it is. So I've got my, uh, get my lucky hat from uh, Zamunda on, and uh, and then I've got lucky Bob. (laughs) Shoot. Lucky Bobcat shirt. It just I just look right there on the screen. Wait, it's over here. It's on the right side of the screen. Oh, wait. That's not the right side of me. Um, someday, someday. Week of winners! WTSM TV Week of Winners. The Wednesday edition. If you don't have any idea what I'm talking about, if you move yourself up the ladder... You move to Basic Live Premium. There's three different subscription levels. Basic Live Premium. We want you to get yourself lined up on that. Figure out what works best for you and your budget. Basic gives you on-demand coverage so you can watch anything you want on demand, meaning at your time. Live gives you everything on demand and gives you live shows. Hi, if if you're on the live plan. And then premium gives you basic and live and contests. And I think CEO Chris comes over to mow your grass. I don't remember if that's true. I think that's on there. Jeff Weir Production, will you look that up? Does Chris mow people's grass if they're on the premium subscription? <laughs> Not even close. Oh, okay, okay. We should set that up as a rotation so we can all make fun of Steve during his week. We should do that. Um, you can click on the homepage of WTSMTV.com slash wow, which stands for week of winners. And then what's cool is you just click on Wednesday. If you want to win today, just click on Wednesday. Today's prize, a $100 gift card to cold beer and cheeseburgers. $100 to cold beer and cheeseburgers. $100 to a place with beer. Well, that's what I hear. Um, you get 16 locations around the valley, including Chase Field, plus concession stands at Mullet Arena, Mountain America Stadium, Footprint Center, and State Farm Stadium. You can enjoy an ice-cold beer and watch the game or sink your teeth into a juicy, one-of-a-kind burger, or you can build your own. Visit coldbeers.com to learn more about cold beer and cheeseburgers. Visit wtsmtv.com slash wow to learn about the week of winners. The Tuesday winner, and Spielberger, and congratulations. Thanks for being, uh, choosing your tier for Doug Franz Unplugged, the main event with Steve McCollum, Izzy on Sports, iOS, and the Organic Football Podcast, Hanging with Coop. I'm afraid, did I miss a show? As a director of sports programming, I should know every show just like that, and I had to think. Did you think say I your own show? No, I, I, I think you left your show out. I, I think I did. I just assume people knew I exist because they're looking at me. That's my cover for forgetting my show. I really did just did not, not even think about it. Sorry, whirlwind. <laughs> Hi, sweet Lou. 
<laughs> He's so proud of you. I know. I don't know if he is. Um, can you tell? In case you're wondering, it shows this is real emotion. Max has you worked up. I mean, I am. I'm so frustrated and angry. I love them so much, and and then I do feel it internally when I get that upset at other human beings because I've done some stupid things at work. Okay, really stupid things at work, and that's how these guys really truthfully need to be judged. It's so easy for a lot of us to say. Oh, they're millionaires. Man, I, I could do that. Well, I am wondering, you know, truth be told, I could go up there like Tommy Pham and not get a hit all postseason. Will you, will you do me a favor and look that up, Jeff Weir Production? What's Tommy Pham doing in this postseason? I, I, I swear, off the top of my head, the guy's got like one hit. Like one for 20. I'm going to throw this out there. I don't know. I'm going to throw it out there that he's one for 27. And let's see if I have any clue what I'm talking about. I'm going to move on and start talking Cardinals, but interrupt me as soon as you find it, Jeff Weir Production, and just throw it on the screen. I sure will. Thanks. All right, let's get to uh, Cardinals. Uh, the Cardinals, they're in a weird situation here if you don't know how injured reserve works. You put a guy on injured reserve, and then – or is he on uh, – no, he's on injured reserve. I don't think he's still on the pup list. Sorry I have to cheat. I'll look up one thing, Jeff, while you look up something else. I and I, I had to get rid of my frog baiting story that I almost did for and finally today. So I, that was uh, I was confusing to see this ball of of frogs. If you're wondering, the the frog story as I stall was uh, there's there's these frogs in Europe that they all kind of attack the female in order to reproduce during mating season and. Uh, scientists have learned something very strange that the woman the female frog has two defense mechanisms because sometimes she could die as all of the men are fighting over and they get into this mating ball in which the males don't even pay attention to who they're mating with so if they end up trying to mate with another male a male makes this weird noise to tell that male hey get off me i don't want your little friend here so they make that noise so that lets them know up wrong hole and and then they stop and they try to find the woman well the females have learned to make that same noise so females sometimes when the when the male frog is actually found her she'll start making that noise and i'm like oh let me find somebody else here to protect herself so she can not she can make sure that she doesn't have the mating ball crushing her and number two the female frog has just learned to play totally dead she can actually stiff up all of her muscles and not move, and then she can't be mated with. And they've learned to play dead. And they do it for hours. Like a woman, a female frog will play that hard to get that she's like that for hours. I, I don't know if, if there's any prescriptions for the frog, you know. If, if staying stiff for four hours, lasts longer than four hours, please see, you know, immediate medical help. But they can do it for three. They can do it for about three hours of just... And then, and then the dude's you know out of luck. But then the dude will just sit there and ram his 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 forehead into her the whole time. I, I was going to say head, and I thought that would be rude. And just he keeps pounding and pounding and pounding into her body, trying to make her come back. And she just three hours straight to that. That sounds fun. Hey, Tommy Fam, um, <laughs> Tommy Fam, twenty twenty three postseason. Oh, seven hits. I'm an idiot. Batting 233. Boy, that does not seem like he's batting 233, does it? He's 7 for 30. 
batting 233. That batting average is so much higher than I expected. 233. I realized everybody got off of uh, on uh, um I almost said Oral Hershiser. <laughs> we know where your head's at now. <laughs> I'm so angry. Uh, I could not think of Clayton Kershaw's name to save my life. And, and I just started thinking Dodgers and the and the Oral Hershiser hurting my youth of always helping the Dodgers. Because I've always hated the Dodgers. Always. So that was the first name that popped into my head instead of Clayton Kershaw. I, I, bet, I bet Clayton would like that. Um, but I, I forgot everybody got off on the Dodgers. 233 that that's so much higher oh by the way he's a designated hitter your designated hitter is batting 233 how about your designated misser your de- designated whiffer why, why why do we call him a hitter all right would you like to do cardinals now would you like doug to actually focus and quit do, quit doing I, I'm, i've been trying to do my uh evan longoria imitation for uh for the last 15 minutes um, Drew Petzing, I, I, you might consider this getting in the weeds too much. I don't because when you're watching a game, sometimes you're going, wait a minute, what just happened there? Do you remember the play, the fourth down conversion, where you basically had the center's head and the nose guard's head over the top of each other, and then they call it a neutral zone infraction on the Cardinals? And so that question was then asked, hey, Drew, have you, have you seen that called? I mean, that, that literally made no sense that the call was on the Cardinals. So we got called, uh, the first time I saw it was probably two weeks ago. I think the Eagles got called for it. So it was something we watched, we addressed, we certainly coach. Um, and sometimes they call it and sometimes they don't. So that was obviously unfortunate. Um, but it's something we need to be aware of as an offensive line, as a tight ends, everybody who's out there. And in terms of how they were calling it, I think they've made that pretty clear. So we got to make sure we're playing within the rules. The reason why that was important to me is I think good coaches do a great job of showing plays around the league that expose or demonstrate rules, good clock management, poor clock management, or people losing their mind and losing their emotions and getting flagged for it. I think those are good things that good coaches show as teaching moments to make sure everybody else is learning. The center is the only player allowed in the neutral zone. And I guess they were ruling, since the center's allowed in the neutral zone, his head is above the ball, but the nose guard's head was not above the ball. Therefore, the nose guard wasn't in the neutral zone, and it didn't even matter that they were what looked like touching. Now, I think that's a poor interpretation of the rule. If they were touching, that's 100% of the time offside. It has to be offside. You can't touch an offensive player. No matter how you want to interpret the centers allowed in the neutral zone, you cannot touch an offensive player. So I think that they butchered that part of it. However, what they got right is Elijah Wilkinson did have his head in the neutral zone. And since the center's the only one allowed in the neutral zone, bam. And that really is a wake-up call to me. I've been having a problem with the guards for most of the season. There were a couple games they did okay. But I think the guards have been mostly terrible this year for the offensive line of the Cardinals. And Elijah Wilkinson, a little bit more of a problem uh, to me this year than anybody else that's been uh, on that line, whether we're talking about Hernandez or uh, Johnson. No, not Johnson. Uh, uh, who am I thinking of? I'm sorry. Do you mind if I cheat and look it up? Uh, I can't remember who I'm thinking of as the other uh, guard that I've seen struggle so far this year. 
But anyway, with that and it being mostly Wilkinson, now we know the coaches did their job. The coaches were explaining, don't do this. And then here's Elijah. Oh, I'll do this. That's a moment of being either lazy or probably in Wilkinson's standpoint, he knows he hasn't had a good season. So when you're, when you're nervous about your job security, it's funny, you get so geared up to do the job, you forget the basics of the job. And it's, it's unlike any other position in, in the history of the world, really. N- name a moment in your career where you have a job to do and your job is to make sure a 300-pound man doesn't do his job. That's your only job. Your only job is to make sure that guy doesn't do his job. And that's what the other guy's thinking. My job is to make sure you don't do your job. So all of us at work, hey, we compete. We compete against other guys at work to get raises. We compete against workers at another company to make sure we're more efficient than they are. So our company makes money with the theory that in turn we're going to make money. You know, all of those things are true. In football, it's there's a guy six inches away from you that smells that is trying to stop you from doing your job. So Elijah Wilkinson is all geared up to make sure I do my job, I do my job, that you forget, oh, by the way, your head's over the football here. You're in the neutral zone. But I thought it was important to learn that Petzing's doing his job and explain, don't do this, and Wilkinson didn't get the message. Now, what are they going to do about it? You know, if Wilkinson doesn't pick it up, hey, let's get a new Wilkinson. That's kind of a joke. Um, Okay, here's Petzing on... The quarterback struggles, and it really bothers me the way they just keep denying the quarterback struggles. Yeah, I'm sure you'd like some passes back, but. More you put on tape in this league when you, you know, you're, nobody's perfect. So you're going to have some things in your game that you're not as good at as other people and vice versa. And when defenses start to see that, they're certainly going to change the way that they attack you and try to put you in that position as often as possible, which is why it's so important that individually and collectively we try to work on our weaknesses. Um, and then some of it's just the way the games come up and just being a little bit off here or there. And, uh, you know, I know there's some throws he'd like back, but uh, I think all in all, the operation was clean and we got to figure out, hey, what is that issue and how do I identify it and fix it moving forward? It's hard to evaluate. And, and Jeff Weir Production, you might know this better than I do. I, my memory of Josh Dobbs at Tennessee was a smart quarterback, sometimes inaccurate, but not bad, uh, not bad, and a really good college quarterback that totally deserved a middle-round draft pick and the chance to develop it. Is that your memory of him at Tennessee since you're a Vols fan? I think so, and I think what he made up with – or what he – he made up – for his inaccuracy with his feet, I guess. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He was a good runner of the ball. Yeah, absolutely. And the windows of co- – we call it windows in football. The windows, which basically means the area for you to throw the ball. Because it, it really is in football. Open a window at the house and throw a football through it. Now, stand 20 yards away and throw a football through that window. Now, start running and throw the football 20 yards away through the window. Okay? Those are the windows. Well, in high school – you, you have basically a big bay window to throw the ball through. In college, you have a nice big, you know, front room window to throw the ball through. By the time you get to the NFL, okay, you're dealing with one of those cheesy little windows in the bathroom. Okay, that, that's all you got to be able to throw the ball through. 
and as as the window keeps getting smaller, Dobbs is getting exposed. So the lack of accuracy that he had in college that didn't seem to be that big of a problem is getting exposed now because the windows are so much less. Two different touchdown passes to Marquise Brown that a true top 20 quarterback hits in his sleep were incomplete passes when thrown by Josh Dobbs. That's a bad accuracy issue. Now, let's be fair. Why do you think coaches and media make out make it a big deal for quarterbacks to get the receivers together in the offseason to work on timing to get to know how everybody thinks things like that to me that stuff matters big article today in espn.com about how fantastic and how much in love houston is with their quarterback and this is a big issue if you're a cardinals fan that was the trade moving up to the Cardinals pick to take C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud has the Texans right now 3-3. Three and three, And all of us thought this is a terrible team. The Texans are going to be so bad that the Cardinals or Texans are going to get the number one pick. Cardinals are going to be able to choose number one and number two. Everybody's excited next year. And maybe you get Caleb Williams, a quarterback. Nah, that's not what's happening here. C.J. Stroud's a baller. C.J. Stroud is doing well, and that team is 3-3. Three and three. They're only a game out of first place. Now, no, I don't think Houston's going to go on a run and be 12-5 and five or something like that. But it shows you it matters how much time you get with your receivers. It matters how you develop that chemistry. So no matter how long we talk about this season, he's always – Josh Dobbs is always going to be behind the eight ball just a little bit. Always. Because he didn't get that time. And it's easy to have a naive view and say, oh, it's now week eight. They should have fixed that by now. No, not really. That's why the offseason matters. That's why that matters. Because you, you're always playing catch up. And the practice reps you get in the season are dramatically different than the reps that you get in a full training camp. And that's dramatically different than the reps in an OTA and then the reps that you have against air when you bring buddies together in the offseason. That's why all of those things build up to good quarterback play. And Josh Dobbs doesn't have that. And it's really exposing his inaccuracy. But I still didn't love the answer because I just want to hear Drew Petzing just say point blank, yeah, we got a problem here. We got a problem. Josh Dobbs is a better quarterback than what he's playing. And it's my job as the offensive coordinator to unlock what he can do because I believe that he's a starting quarterback in the NFL. That's what he should say. And I don't like, well, we've all got to be better. Okay, we know we've all got to be better. But you're still sugarcoating the fact that there's a lot of issues going on right now that are Josh Dobbs' fault. And if he can't fix those issues, they can't win. That's the importance of the quarterback position. Which then brings up the t- subject of Kyler. I brought this up to you in four-minute offense about an hour ago, but I haven't talked about it since, so I want to give you the exact same quote. You got Kyler Murray on IR. He can come off of IR and open up a window of practice, and then he can be activated to the active roster. That's the situation with Kyler Murray. Now, let's find out what we're looking at right now with how do you do both? How do you get Kyler Murray ready and get the reps in practice to prepare him to play for a game while you're still making sure Josh Dobbs gets all the reps he needs because he's playing until Kyler Murray's ready. Yeah, it's a unique task. I think it's something we knew at some point was going to be something we're going to deal with, uh, something we dealt with last year in Cleveland in a similar situation. 
So we have a plan in place collectively from him to the training staff, to the coaching staff, to make sure that he is getting as much work as humanly allowed within the rules. So that when he does step back on the field, he's ready to go. The rules are basically the practice windows. How do you get him ready? And then how do you do the exact same thing? I keep saying I I are, and I'm wrong to say that. So I apologize. He's still on the physically unable to perform list. So it's called the pup list. And there are different rules for those different things. So it was, it was dumb of me. I was explaining the pup list correctly while calling it injured reserve. So I, uh, I apologize for that. And I want to totally, do I have the recant bells? Up, uh, I think it's this button, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, that's the cowbell. That's funny. There we go. So, total recantation by getting the thing wrong on on my part. Um, so, what this means is, whenever you think he's healthy enough to practice, you now declare he's now practicing. But he still does not have to be put on the active roster. So you now open up a 21-day window that he can practice as much as he wants. After those 21 days, you have to make a decision. Put him on the active roster, reach an injury settlement and cut him, or just cut him. Okay, you have to do something after those 21 days. You can't just hold on to a player forever. So with what Jonathan Gannon said yesterday on KMVP, if you didn't hear it, and I didn't hear it, but I read it, uh, thanks to Bobby Mack who wrote about it, They were talking about, we're going to watch him today, we're going to watch him tomorrow, and then see where he's at on Wednesday. Wednesday is the practice day. Wednesday is today. Wednesday is the day where you actually have guys on the grass practicing hard in preparation for your next game, this one being at Seattle. So there's a chance Kyler Murray could be out there practicing with his team today. And if he's practicing with his team, that means – the Cardinals believe within the next three weeks he'll be ready to play an NFL game. And they have been very coy forever. You know, we're monitoring him and what, you know, he's doing great in his rehab. He's advancing every day, but and they've never given us a time frame of when he can come back. This would be the first official time frame that they're not telling us, but it has to be that way or they cut him. And we know they're not going to cut him. So therefore, if he practices today, the window has been opened and he must be on the active roster within the next three weeks. So this is, this is a big moment to see whether or not he practices today and whether or not he's moving in that direction. And then brings up the next question. Is he fighting for his job in 2024 by playing in 2023? I am the one, if you didn't know, I thought they should never have signed him to the contract extension to begin with. Once the Murray Manifesto was put out by his agent, I would have dumped him. After that Pro Bowl in 2022, um, he then puts out his uh, in, on Instagram. He wipes his Instagram account of all things Arizona Cardinals, and or I should say the Pro Bowl of the 2022 season, but but within the confines of 2023 calendar year. Then you get the Murray Manifesto, and that's them declare the agent declaring he needs to be paid. And when I saw all that and how, in my opinion, little he had done as a quarterback, other people said, oh, he's rookie of the year. He says, ah, I don't care. I don't care about the cheesy awards. Just because you're the number one pick overall, you better be the rookie of the year. You're supposed to be the rookie of the year. The team said, you're the best player out of this draft. You're not competing with all the players in the draft. It's your job, in a sense, to be the best. That's why you were chosen there. 
So I don't give him credit for the cheese ball awards. I look at the productivity on the field. I look at how many times he refuses to play hurt or he whines about stuff. I look at the lack of leadership. I look at the way he treated Cliff Kingsbury, and I say that's not a QB1, in my opinion. So I wouldn't have wanted to lose Kyler, but the way the rules dictated what I had to pay him to keep him, and I mean the rules of the CBA, I said, you're not worth that. And if you're not worth that, and you're going to hold out, or you're going to talk about holding out, or you're going to complain, boom, let's, let's, let's move on, let somebody else deal with it. So far, it's the best opinion I've ever had in Sports Talk Radio. So far, I'm nails on that opinion because he was a disaster for most of the season last year and got hurt. Not, not the whole season, but most of the season and got hurt. Now, I'm not blaming him for getting hurt, but I'm looking at a small frame quarterback who gets hurt a lot and saying, you know what? I don't want that anymore. So I'm, I have never been a Kyler fan. But I do want him back this year because we need to evaluate how are you going to do in the Jonathan Gannon offense? Is it all Kyler's fault? Or was he so babied by Cliff Kingsbury, so poorly coached by Cliff Kingsbury, that now that he's got an actual football coach with an actual NFL system and going to be held accountable for his actions, maybe he's going to have a massive grow up and be fantastic. Maybe. And I don't want to ever say somebody can't change. So give the kid a shot. But I'm not going into 2024 without the answers about Kyler Murray being com- the, the test being answered in 2023. I got to know now. So I'm, I'm really interested in, in where this goes. Okay, uh, one other uh, – or no, a couple other defensive side of the ball. Let's look at Nick Rollis being asked about the second half. If you didn't see the game, I think the Rams had three runs in the first half, three. And then in the second half, oh, my gosh, just an embarrassment. Eight straight running plays by the Rams, seven of them highly successful. Uh, Nick, what what happened to start the second half? A little bit of that. I think game flow can – maybe that's not what they had planned uh, to, you know, only have three runs in the first half, and it just happened to be, you know, maybe they got behind the sticks on, on second down or we did a good job getting to the third down. But they definitely had a really good run plan. Hats off to them. They did a phenomenal job. Um we got to obviously in the second half have a better plan, execute better, all the above. You know, it's always it's usually a um, kind of a multiple factors that maybe contributed to not playing good run defense in the second half. So, um, you know, whether or not they abandoned their plan or that was their plan all along, that's that's hard to know. But we got to do a better job as coaches adjusting to that, and then you know going out and executing what what we adjust within the game. I want to say I accept the first few running issues, the first few plays. And the reason why is the Cardinals don't have very good players. This is the way it is. They don't have a good run-stuffing unit. So I get that. But after the first three highly successful running plays, I would like to have seen Nick Rollins say, you know what? If we've got to be able to stop this, then okay. Then, then let's make them beat us in the air. Let's start flooding these rush zones. Let's start putting more bot, more people in the box. Let's force them to throw the ball. And he was really worried about the big play, so he's like, okay, I'm just going to let them keep running because if I dare try to stop the run in an aggressive way, my corners are not good enough, and we're going to get destroyed with the big play. I totally understand that thinking. Here's the problem. You were getting destroyed by the big running play. It wasn't like they were getting a consistent four yards a carry in that drive, so they're going to get a first down on third down. 
They were getting nine yards a carry, eight yards a carry. They're get, they're, they don't have third down conversions on that drive because they're converting second down because first down was such a bludgeoning that it made it easy on second down. When it gets like that and the first two first downs are had so easily on the ground, that's when you got to say, okay, we, gotta, we at least got to put a stop to this. And I didn't think he did a good job there. Um, this is important. Keytrail Clark, stud of training camp. Keytrail Clark, little darling for the first couple games. The little corner that could. We're all happy for you. Now suddenly, he's not playing very much. What's going on there? Yeah, it's every week you got to talk about what's the best matchups, what's the best roles for each guy, depending on who we're playing and what we want to try to accomplish within that game. Um, Keytrail is is a going to be a really good player for us, and um, you know he knows he's got th- certain things he's got to get better at, just like everybody else in that that position room or the entire defense. So um, that's something he's going to be a contributor for us going forward. And, you know, he's got things he's got to improve on. And, um, you know, that's something week to week where you talk about roles, playing time, everything like that with not just one position, every position. You got to talk about that. I don't know why they try to dance so much. Hey, we got to look at the position groups. We got to look at, you know, the matchups. We got to no, that's dumb. Okay. Is there ever a game where a team looks at their number one corner and says, you know what, Darrell Revis, you don't match up well this week. If you're playing well and doing the right things, you play. Why, why are you afraid to say that, Nick? Right? Well, we got to look at the matchups. No, no. What you're saying is we have better corners on this team that are playing better than what Keytrail Clark is. Or Keytrail Clark is an attitude problem. We, he doesn't deserve to play right now. It's one or the other. Just come out with it. No, I mean, that's cheese ball. Cheese ball way to sugar. Oh, we're looking at matchups. We're looking at matchups. All right, coming up next. I got a lot of bits and pieces here. I want to get into Suns because we're starting in six days and I'm pretty jacked up for the season. We also have a very interesting discussion about trucks coming up. That's next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. just uh check twitter real quick and then i i had to laugh at uh the thing i got from good friend of the show hardcore general josh who said after last night's game man that jack schwarber could really slug (laughs) (laughs) oh that's great So I tweeted it back, and I said, I still don't know who that is. You asked me to uh, look him up yesterday, and I did. I typed in Jack Schwarber, and all they were talking about is the Jack that Schwarber hit. Oh, that's They were talking about the Jack. Yeah. Google, you're letting me down. (laughs) I'm going to find out that it's close, like like there's a Jack Schwarmer or something. I I know there is a Jack in my life somewhere. I know that there's somebody there, and I just can't pinpoint it. If you, if you didn't catch yesterday's Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwood Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass, I I went like 15 minutes saying Jack Schwarber for Kyle Schwarber the whole time. And it was just dumb. I mean, like, and and then Jeff Weir Production has 900 things going on. He doesn't have time to say. By the way, 
Doug, I don't remember watching Jack Schwarber play yesterday. You know, I like I, I, I never figured it out. And then I, I started looking at my scorecard, and then I, I got it right. I go, now, Kyle Schwarber did this, this, and this. And then once I started saying Kyle, I was like, wait a minute. What was I just saying before? And I deserve that. I love, listen, rip me. It's funny, okay? When, if, you can't, if you can't take yourself uh, in a joking manner, then you've got other issues going on. Have fun with it when you butcher something like that. It was so deserved yesterday. Let's get into uh, Suns for just a second. Uh, do you have, Jeffrey Production, I did not ask you for this. Do you have the KD as well? Is that easy for you to get a hold of? Uh, the KD from the other day? Yeah. I can't, it'll take me a second to get it loaded up, but okay. it's in the from the other day. I'm Great. Let, put it let's in here. play Frank Vogel. Let's play Vogel one. And then after Vogel one, do me a favor and give me a thumbs up when you can get the uh, KD stuff ready. Sure thing. Um, so here's Frank Vogel. Uh, I loved, I mean, this is going to be an abrupt start as you're listening because it's, this will be a hard edit for Jeff Weir production because he was interrupting the guy asking the question. So it might sound a little jarbled at the beginning, but I loved it. So that's why I asked Jeff Weir production to pull Frank Vogel from yesterday's practice as I don't know if the guy asking the question, I didn't recognize his, his voice, had an agenda. I, I don't know if he was just trying to get a little piece for a story, but he started driving home the point of how elite Booker and Kevin Durant are, and then saying, so does that show that Bradley Beal has to be the one that offers the most sacrifices, that he's he's got to give up the most in order to fit in? Gentlemen, not at all. Um, you know, all those guys are going to fit in and, and be themselves. We're not asking uh, one of them to, to sacrifice or, or compromise more than, more than the others. Um, it's it's interesting because of the way he is setting it up i love that answer because it's really simple to start this narrative that bradley beal you're used to being the best player on your team now you're not so now you have to change and what I'm seeing in this preseason, oh my gosh, if, I totally get it if you're not watching preseason Suns basketball. Okay, I totally get it. It has been so fantastic. So fantastic. The ball movement is literally incredible. The, what makes me even happier is the cutting. People are cutting to the basket all of the time and not throwing a fit if they don't get the ball. Now maybe that'll change in a, you know in a hardcore very important game at some point. But they are play, they're such a great flow that that's what Frank Vogel is saying. Frank Vogel is saying, "Listen, I don't have to worry about Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal, go do your thing because Booker and Durant are so good, they're not going to get in your way. If this is what you normally do, go be you." That is so freeing to Bradley Beal. But it also shows Bradley Beal is a selfless player. He's going to know I'm option three. So if they're not going to guard me, listen, Bradley Beal open is a better player than Kevin Durant double teamed. Does that make sense? (laughs) So therefore, don't say, oh, I'm option three. I need to get rid of this ball. No, you need to read the defense just like anybody else. And who's open? Shoot the ball. 
and shoot it fluidly. I mean, be aggressive. Be you. Because they're a sharing team. And and they, they, I, we don't want them oversharing. I just, I really like that um, conversation. So I wanted you to hear that. Uh, now let me get to... Um, a little bit of this is this is old i totally admit to you and I, i've got to go back to my uh, old emails and uh, and admittedly find what i uh, what i want but kevin durant was talking uh, a little while ago and what i liked about what he had to say was him going into what is available for the team to be able to i would say more or less um you know what i don't remember just play the first one and I'll react. I don't want to. I don't want to stall. It's still incredible. I mean, I'm just blown away at how many basketball fans there are in the world, but especially here in the Valley. You know how excited they are for the game of basketball. Just um, you know, inspires me and keeps me going. To be honest, man. So anytime we can get in front of our fans and give them an insight to what we do outside of just seven o'clock on game nights, that's pretty cool. So. Um, it was good to see everybody. I know it looks like everybody's excited for the season. That was him talking on Monday about what he saw at Saturday's practice and excited about the fact that it was an open gym. A lot of fans got in for free and created a wonderful atmosphere, and he was jacked up about that. Um, the next one, I think this is really important because he, Nurkic is the key because the other four are going to be fine. But Nurkic is the element of the defense and then the passing, the cutting, the screen and roll, the, everything that they can do. The chemistry with Nurkic takes them from really good team to championship team. No, he's not Jokic. No way. But it gives a Jokic-like element to the offense. How is that chemistry going right now, in your opinion, KD, with you and Nurk? Sorry, was that Durant too? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I feel like um, I've always had synergy with big fellas. You know, they um, they sacrifice so much of their games to get scores like myself open, you know, and to make themselves available and doing certain plays. And then that, they don't get all the credit for it. So um, I feel like it's, it's on all of us as scorers to have that chemistry with the bigs, no matter how long we play together. So... Uh, I think since day one, we all empowered Nurk to just play his game and do what he needs to do uh, in order for him to get his game going, and then we'll figure it out. So he's been passing the ball well. He's been making the solid reads, and it's only getting better. So we're all growing together. The key to that, and we're not going to like it when it happens, allow it to fail. To develop that element, allow it to fail. It's going to be very easy to say, wait, we've got Booker, we've got Durant, we've got Beal. Why do we have to run part of the offense through Nurkic when we've got all of these better options? That's true. But where do you want this game to go? It elevates highly if he then is a part of that. And the, way, the only way you can learn it is to, is to fail, is to screw it up sometimes. Which brings up what's called the second side. The second side is a phrase that, I don't know, it's about 15 years old. It basically just means the weak side. The weak side is the side of the court where the ball is not on. The strong side is where the ball is. So if you are able to get a whole bunch of people 
on the front side, which is now the what used to be called the strong side, that should leave somebody open somewhere else. And if you have a Booker, a Curry, or a Durant as your actual guy on the second side, oh my gosh, you have an open look at three. And this is a question about what Durant is seeing in the preseason, about how open the second side is, because so much of the defense is geared to stop where the ball is that the skip pass over the top is working well. Yeah, modern-day defenses are too good just to play on one side. I think um, so much athleticism and length in this league now that you got to be able to move the ball on different sides of the floor and have different attacks. So um, when you got – you know, myself or Book or Brad or EG or Grayson on that backside, sometimes that can be dangerous for a defense. And, that, you know, you, you tend to lose focus of that backside sometimes, you know. Ball swings, swings fast, and then here come a guy come out the corner. I think that's just great offense. I think every team wants that. Man, I, I love that one. I absolutely love that. And I got to – Oh, 45 seconds. I'm doing the math. No, I don't have time. There's one more I want from Kevin Durant. So do me a favor. Save that one for tomorrow. Because uh, <laughs> uh, Katie talked about the defense as it relates to the offense, and I loved it. But I got versus Vegas to get to. And we've got uh, the main event today with Dale Hellestray to get to. So I've still got a lot left in the final 15 minutes. And I want to tell you about Whirlwind Plus. I got to also bury my head for my versus Vegas pick. That's next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. It's big, it's juicy, it's meaty. Get your burrito at Burrito Express. If you're having a hangover, a bad day, even a good day, still get your burrito at Burrito Express. It will make you feel better. Burrito Express started with my father about 25 years ago. He got laid off and decided that he needed to do something to provide for his family. My brother and I were older teens, 17, 18 year old, and I'm going to do a trial out of my house. So literally, we decided we're going to start out of his house. So we delivered uh, menus in a square mile area, literally started delivering burritos out of our home in Mesa, Arizona. And after about a month, he said, let's do this. Went and found his first location. And believe it or not, that's how it started. We started with one location back in 1995. Now we're where we are now. Guess wait till you see the embarrassment for me. Alright, we, we need to have a discussion here. I only made one prediction yesterday. And I lost money, but I got it right. My prediction yesterday is that Jack Schwarber wouldn't get a hit. (laughs) I was right. Unless he played in some slow-pitch softball game yesterday. The only prediction I had yesterday is that the Diamondbacks would have learned their lesson and would not pitch so unintelligently to Kyle Schwarber that Kyle Schwarber would go hitless. Well, he only hit two home runs, so I got that right. I got nothing right. I got nothing right yesterday. I don't know. The fan in me, and this is what this shows you I'm not a true gambler. The fan in me would not allow me to pick the Phillies to win yesterday. But I, I think we all knew. Didn't you have that feeling in 
I just couldn't do it. I didn't I didn't want to win blood money. Not for my team. But Kyle Schwarber, I think he was two for four. I might be wrong that he was two for three. Let me cheat and look at that up. Uh, Kyle Schwarber, one for two, two for three. Oh, no, why not add another hit? So I, I picked him to go hitless. And, oh, no, 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 that, that other hit was from Cabo, or from, from Cave when he got thrown out of third. So that is not a hit. So, therefore, I was only slightly off. So Kyle Schwarber getting no hits yesterday. He went two for three. I was close, really close. Uh, today for versus Vegas, I like I like my picks a lot. I'm not gonna stand on the table and tell you I love them, but I like my picks a lot. I like the Houston at Texas, the Rangers game to go over the nine, and I'm gonna double down on that and take Houston over the four and a half against Max Scherzer. Here's why I'm looking at that. Christian Javier was had a great year last year, but this year I'm cheating to look it up. 456 ERA and a 127 whip. 30 other pitchers had a better whip than he did this year. So he's not that great, but I just, I love Max Scherzer, the player. This is not a slam on him at all. But I don't love the idea of your first game coming off of the injured list being in a playoff environment and you succeeding greatly. That's really hard to do. Maybe he does, but that's really hard to do. So I'm going to take the team total to be over uh, uh, four and a half for the Astros, and I'm going to take the game total to be over nine runs for uh, for both teams, Rangers and Astros. And I can't wait to see if the Astros show up because it is so weird about the Astros losing at home all the time in the playoffs. Not all the time, but it feels like that, that they do that. So now what are they going to do coming up? Uh, congratulations to General Mike. Congratulations to Ann. Our weekly winners are our two-day winners, Monday and Tuesday in the week of winners here on WTSMTV.com. Jump on that. Go to WTSMTV.com slash wow for week of winners in order to learn more figure out what plan works best for you and then try to be a winner today if you click on Wednesday of the $100 gift card to cold beer and cheeseburgers then I shouldn't tell you this but I will Sweet Lou of Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass just got back from Vegas he was a little busy he sent me an email about week of winners and said what are you looking for from us so I asked for the moon We'll we'll see. We'll see. But, hey, I would jump on this because if you're a golfer, this is incredible, whatever we might get. And if you're not a golfer, do you realize how you'll blow somebody away when you say, I got this for you? Don't tell them you want it. Just tell them I got this for you. Do you realize it can cost anywhere between $100 and $220 to play Whirlwind? And now you you might be able to get it. Just keep watching. Keep listening. Speaking of Whirlwind, are you a Whirlwind Plus member? If not, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Whirlwind Plus, go to unpluggedatwhirlwind.com. Unpluggedatwhirlwind.com. Unplugged at whirlwind.com. And you'll see the brochure with all the information. If you're somebody that comes into town on occasion, jump on the $34 a month. As long as you play three times that month, you're going to easily save your money. And you'll probably, you know what? You might actually make your money the first time. 
You get to set a tea time within five days. What that means is you can't set a tea time uh, 10 days from now. But once you get in a five-day window, set your tea time. And then whatever the lowest rate that day is, that's the rate you get. Even if you, so let's say the lowest rate that day is the evening rate of, let's say, we'll just say, I'm making this up now, so don't throw a fit. Let's say it's 130 bucks to play. You set your tea time at 10 in the morning and it's 230 to play then. Doesn't matter. You get the low rate. That's what it means to be a Whirlwind Plus member. So you spent $34, you might save 100 We're not done. I've always wanted to say that. You also save 15% at Civlik, and you save 15% at the Pro Shop. So if you play, imagine that you spent $34 on the month to be part of the plan. Then you buy a sleeve of bowls, get yourself a, a couple beers, and you, you save maybe $50, $100 on your tea time. Ha! You only spent $34 to do all that. Now it gets even better. Spend $299 for the year. And you save $100 off the price of the $34 a month charge. So even if you're a casual golfer, man, this is worth it. $2.99 a year to have that kind of savings. And we haven't even talked about room savings and spa savings, and you get that too. Plus, you get invited to different events throughout the year that only Whirlwind Plus members get to. So go to unpluggedatwhirlwind.com. Are you hungry? Best breakfast burrito in the history of the world is at Burrito Express. Seven locations all across the east side. Think about this. I have a, I had a big meeting yesterday to try to help a 100-mile brewery figure out what's best for them. And Mikey of Bell's National Kitchen and Rosati said, let's go together so I can tell them how great it is to advertise on Doug Franz Unplugged. That's not only true friendship, but it also shows you why we owe Mike. So if you want a sports bar in Chandler, please consider going to Rosati's at Ray and McQueen. And if you're ever in the Scottsdale area, anywhere east side, you're, you're going to have a great time at lunch at Bell's Nashville Kitchen, the first ever sponsor of Doug Franz Unplugged. Still more 100-degree weather to deal with. That's why you need Parker & Sons. Anything goes wrong today with your AC, 6022-REPAIR. That's 602, the number two, the R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker & Sons. Heating, cooling, plumbing, and electrical. Hey, everybody make fun of Dale Hellestray. He's trying to host it without Steve. The main event is up next. I'll see you tomorrow.